0: Hi, everyone. I hope you are all doing well, given the circumstances. Uh, Just a reminder that if you are in need of support or help on any level, please reach out to myself or a member of our site leadership team. That's really important to us. And we want to make sure that we consistently remind people that we are available. There is a really strong sort of independent spirit here in the Kootenays and people want to be self-sufficient. Many people are self-sufficient, but I think we're moving into times where we're going to need each other in maybe ways that we haven't before. And so please be attentive to that in your own um, context of isolation. And if you're needing just a chat over a video or connection over the phone or prayer or someone to grocery shop for you, I know that I speak for all of our site leadership uh, team members when I say, please reach out. We want to do what we can to help. Also, before we get into the message this morning, I really want to encourage you to listen to my interview with Pastor Jason Ashley over at the Mere Disciple podcast. Um, I just took about an hour this week and threw out the question to Jason, how do we take advantage of this time and use this time to grow in our faith as believers. And I think Jason shared some awesome advice, very practical, very pastoral, on and, and shared some steps we can take to come out of this pandemic and this time of isolation actually stronger in our faith. I, I really want to encourage you to listen to that because um, I was really challenged and um, blessed by it. So I think you will be as well. Okay, I want to start with a question this morning. What do we need most during a time of difficulty? And by we, I mean Christians. What do Christians need most during a time of difficulty? Now, before you answer that, I want you to consider your prayer life over the last two weeks. I want you to kind of, in your mind's eye, rewind and try and do a quick review of the kinds of things you've been praying for the kinds of things you've been praying about. Notice how much you're praying, how much more you're praying. Maybe you're not praying at all. But just become aware of the general pattern that your prayer life has taken. And I ask you to do that because your prayer life during times of crisis and during times of difficulty reveals what you believe you think you really need, right? If you're not praying at all, that reveals that you think you're fine and you don't need to rely on God. If you are praying predominantly for peace, that reveals that you believe your fundamental need is for peace in these times. If you've been praying for joy, it reveals that you believe essentially you need joy. Maybe you've been praying for faith or for provision. Maybe you've been praying that this whole thing would just get over really, really quickly and you could get back to normal. Doesn't matter, in a sense, what we've been praying for. I don't. I don't want to. Um, I don't want you to kind of analyze that or critique that. I just want you to become aware of it, because your prayer life during times of difficulty and crisis reveals what you believe you really need. Now, I know the particulars of our prayers are likely going to be different from person to person uh, within our church and across our church, because. And that makes sense, the context of isolation and who we're living with and whether we're living alone or whether we have support systems or don't. These are all, there's all kind of, there's a layering of factors that means that none of our situations are going to be exactly the same. So there is going to be a difference in terms of what we're bringing before God consistently. But today I want to walk us through three passages that came to my mind last week. And there are passages that, for me, show us what all believers most need during a time of difficulty and uncertainty. And so regardless of the particular felt needs that this crisis has brought to the forefront for you, I, I think there's a biblical case to be made that there is a need, and sometimes it goes unrecognized, But there's a need that is even more pressing for us to be praying for and asking God to meet. So if you have a Bible handy, I want you to turn first to Isaiah chapter 6. A pretty famous passage from the Old Testament. I'll give you a few moments to track it down. Isaiah chapter 6. And we're just going to read the first few verses. As you find your way there, I want to kind of set the stage This uh, passage of scripture comes on the heel of Uzziah dying. And Uzziah reigned for 52 secure and prosperous years uh, in the nation of Judah. God blessed Uzziah's reign. Uh, Judah, under his leadership, reigns in prosperity and military success. So there aren't a lot of threats. All, All the threats to Judah were sort of pushed back during this time. And so when Uzziah dies, for Judah, his death marked the beginning of the end of this time of peace and prosperity. 52 years, five decades, where generally speaking, things are going well. But his death, coupled with the rise externally beyond the borders of the Assyrian Empire, this um, blossoming military might created this huge sense of uncertainty in Judah for their future and it's in that place of uncertainty in that place of grief and loss and fear where the horizon of the future looks very low resolution very vague and they're coming from this place where for decades they've had predictability and prosperity and success And now that might be over. And it's in that place that Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah is given a vision of God's majesty and his enthroned power. Isaiah six chapter one, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted seated on a throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty! The whole earth is full of his glory! And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. This is a powerful text, especially if we can slow down and imagine it in our mind's eye. In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah sees the Lord. And that word there is Adonai. It means the sovereign one. And he's high and exalted, seated on a throne. And the throne here is the command center of heaven. Isaiah is seeing the sovereign sovereign one who rules and reigns over all reality. And these seraphim surrounding the throne, singing holy, 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 right? And in biblical Hebrew... Words are repeated for emphasis and often are simply repeated twice. This is the only word that is repeated three times. It's the holiness of God. It points to God's otherness, that there is this, the Creator God is beyond a category. He is like nothing else in His otherness and in His holiness. In verse 4, at the sound of their voices, The doorposts and thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. You know, I've been at concerts or I've been in a theater where the volume was turned up so loud. You could feel the sound waves moving through you, right? Where you are just overwhelmed. I think of that time where I spent some time in New York City. And you get to particular, especially in the evening in Times Square when things are really moving and bustling. That is a place where you are just assault. It is an assault on the senses. There are sounds and lights and uh, just an over... You can't take it all in. It is sensory overload. And that's what Isaiah is trying to um, articulate here. That there is this power that is shaking the very foundation of the temple I remember I, I don't go to many concerts but way way back in the day I went to a U2 concert with Heather and man U2 knows how to put on a show and what they did with their stage designed design sound design lighting was just absolutely stunning I mean there were there were times where I remember we were on the floor and I remember just feeling surrounded by this audiovisual onslaught of beauty and power, and kind of like a, a majestic display of amazing God-given talent, and you are you are awestruck. And if you've ever been in a context like that where you have been genuinely awestruck, and at the same time very humble because you realize you are in the presence of greatness. Imagine that dialed up to an 11 out of 10. And that's what Isaiah is experiencing. And that's why for Isaiah, his reaction is, Woe to me. I am ruined. Or some translations will say, I am undone. The holiness of God is so overwhelming. The majesty, the power, the glory, the kavod, right? The weight is so significant. The density of who God is is almost, almost brings Isaiah to the breaking point where he feels like I'm literally going to be disintegrated from the inside out because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty, the great Adonai, the great sovereign one So in the year that King Uzziah died, when the people of God have all these questions around what now, what's going to happen, what do we do, how are we going to battle against this emerging Assyrian threat, how are we going to get through this, God gives Isaiah a revelation of who he is and where he sits, which is on the throne, and therefore what is underneath him which is all things. And that runs parallel to another throne vision that occurs over Revelations chapter 4 and 5. Now, I'm going to read all of chapter 4 and 5, but I want you to follow along, but I want you to do so, again, imaginatively. I want you to imagine as best you can the sights and the sounds of what the Apostle John experiences. He begins in chapter 4, And and the context for Revelation is a church, um, a, a, a collection of churches. There are a series of letters written to a number of churches at the start of Revelation. And then this vision is given to John in order to prepare those churches to move into a time of serious persecution. So they're also facing a time of uncertainty. And they're very soon going to be facing a time of Um, unimaginable difficulty, hardship, loss, grief, persecution, violence, suffering, injustice. And it's in that context that Revelation 4 and 5 unfolds. Beginning at verse 1 of chapter 4. After this, I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it, and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, and a rainbow that shone like an emerald circle was around the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones, and seated on them were 24 elders, They were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And in the center around the throne were four living creatures, And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second like an ox. The third had the face like a man, and the fourth was like a flying eagle. And each of the four living creatures had six wings and covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night, they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne, and they say, You are worthy, our Lord and God. To receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by you they were created and have their being. And then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth, or under the earth, could open the scroll, or even look inside of it. I wept, and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll, and its seven seals. And then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth, He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp, and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll, and to open its seals, because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom of priests to serve our God, and they will reign over the earth. And then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000 And they encircled the throne and the living creatures and and the elders. And in a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. And then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshiped. The churches that were initially given this revelation had many questions. They were full of uncertainty. Some had already moved into difficult times. All of them would be moving into very difficult times soon. But look what God gives them. A vision of Himself and of His Lamb, Jesus, seated on the throne. Okay, last passage, Job 38. At this point in Job's story, he has suffered catastrophic losses. He has had a number of friends give him counsel around why this is happening, how he should respond. He's been wrestling in his own mind and heart around those questions. And God, in this moment of deep calamity, Answers, Job. Job 38. I'm going to read the whole chapter. This is what the Lord speaks to Job out of the storm. The Lord said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me, if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set, or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb, when I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness, when I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place, when I said, this far you may come and no farther, here is where your proud walls halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place, that it might take THE EARTH BY THE EDGES AND SHAKE THE WICKED OUT OF IT? THE EARTH TAKES SHAPE LIKE CLAY UNDER A SEAL. ITS FEATURES STAND OUT LIKE THOSE OF A GARMENT. THE WICKED ARE DENIED THEIR LIGHT, AND THEIR UPRAISED ARM IS BROKEN. HAVE YOU JOURNEYED TO THE SPRINGS OF THE SEA OR WALKED IN THE RECESSES OF THE DEEP? HAVE THE GATES OF DEATH BEEN SHOWN TO YOU? HAVE YOU SEEN THE GATES? Of the deepest darkness have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth tell me if you know all this what is the way to the abode of light and where does darkness reside can you take them to their places do you know the paths to their dwelling surely you know for you were already born you've lived so many years Have you entered the storehouses of the snow, or seen the storehouses of the hail, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle? What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed, or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm to water a land where no one lives? an uninhabited desert to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass does the rain have a father who fathers the drops of dew from whose womb comes the ice who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when waters become hard as stone when the surface of the deep is frozen can you bind the chains of Pleiades Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their seasons or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of heaven? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? Do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you? Here we are. Who gives the Ibis wisdom? Or gives the rooster understanding? Who has the wisdom to count the clouds? Who can tip over the water jars of the heavens when the dust becomes hard and the clods of earth stick together? Do you hunt the prey for the lioness? And satisfy the hunger of the lions when they crouch in their dens or lie in wait in a thicket? Who provides food for the raven? when it's young cry out to God and wander about for lack of food. Isaiah 6, Revelation 5, Job 38. What's the common denominator between all of these three passages, all of which are given to God's people in times of distress, difficulty, hardship, crisis? It's this, God gives a revelation of his authority and power. See, that's the gift that we need most during times of difficulty and crisis. To see the King, to see the Lord Almighty, and to know in our bones that God is still on the throne. God is still high and exalted. His purposes and his plans cannot be thwarted. And this crisis, whether it's a personal crisis or a global one, cannot threaten his sovereign hold on the totality of reality. When I think of this need, To see God on his throne, to be given a revelation of his sovereign power and authority. There's one instance in my life that jumps out. As many of you know, I've had a series of eye surgeries, corneal transplants to offset a genetic condition. And I had, I think, one or two surgeries before I became a Christian at the age of like 10 and 12. But then a third one, a repeat graft surgery around the age of 14 or 15. So it was my first surgery having been a Christian. And I remember going into the hospital and getting the gown on and getting into the bed and getting the IV put in and being wheeled in. And as these steps were playing out, I could just feel my entire body shaking. And they wheeled me into into the waiting room before the operating room. And I was just shaking, and I was shaking so much that I could hear the rattle of the metal uh, side rails on the um, on the gurney that I was that I was on, and they were just like rattling back and forth. And I was praying, I think, as much as I understood how to do it at that time, asking for God's help. And I turned and I looked, and In my one good eye that I could see with at the time, there was a picture of Jesus on the wall. It was a Catholic hospital. And it was a picture of Jesus with his arms stretched out. I I later found the picture because it was throughout the hospital. And it was a reference to the scripture where Jesus says, I was sick and you visited me. But I couldn't see that at the time. All I could see was this fairly small picture of Jesus with his arms stretched out. But it was on the wall. So it was over me. And I was lying in bed and I was shaking and I was praying. But in that moment, I remember, as clear as if it was yesterday, that just a powerful awareness that Jesus was in authority over this situation came over me, and I stopped shaking right away. And I didn't have kind of this grand vision. like. John did. I didn't hear a voice like Job did. I didn't see angels like Isaiah did, but I saw the king. And in that moment of seeing the high and exalted one and realizing that in my time of distress, God is still on the throne. God is still Adonai. He's still the sovereign one all my concerns, all my worries just kind of fell away. And in a way that's difficult for me to articulate and put into words, I felt both awestruck and humbled and held. We often think what we need most in times of crisis or loss Or distress is answers, right? We almost always revert to the why prayers. Why is this happening to me? And I think it's instructive to understand and to reflect on these passages because God never gives an answer to any of these people why this is happening. And maybe most instructive is Job. Job never actually learns the backstory to why he had to go through the suffering that he did. All he's given is a revelation of the sovereign God. But that's more important than answers. And that might seem counterintuitive to us because we might think if God gave us the answers, then we could be at rest. Then I could have joy. Then I could fill whatever need I feel like I have that, that is most pressing to me right now. And God sees beyond our limited understanding and says, what you need to see is me on the throne reigning and ruling in a sovereign way over this situation over your life our greatest need in crisis and difficulty is to have an encounter with the sovereign god personally to have an encounter with god that where we can with isaiah say my eyes have seen the king the Lord Almighty. And again, don't hear me saying that means we have to try and invoke a kind of vision. The eyes of our hearts can be opened by God's Spirit through His Word so that we see God, the King, the Lord Almighty, ruling and reigning over our experiences. And we can know that God is still on the throne even now, even in the midst of this, he rules and he reigns. And that becomes a recalibrating center for the soul in which all of the other attendant questions and anxieties find their proper place. So, what I want to encourage us to do, if we haven't been doing so already, is to take time to meditate on scriptures that show us God's power and glory and authority. Certainly, Isaiah 6, 1-5 is a good one to use. Revelation 5 is a great one to use. Job 38 is a great one to use. There are others. But maybe there's one of these scriptures that for you, even as this message has unfolded, that has really resonated with your soul. Take that scripture, read it every day, read it slowly, imagine it, and read it prayerfully with the bookends of, you know, to borrow those lines from that contemporary Christian song, Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. That's a good song. Turn it into a prayer. Before you read these passages, say, God, open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, God. I want to see you. I want to see you high and lifted up. I want to see you shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your spirit on me as I sing, Holy, Holy, Holy. Our greatest need in times of crisis and distress is to see the Sovereign Lord ruling and reigning, seated on the throne above all principalities and powers, and to know that that God is for us. And so as you go into this new week, may you be given a vision of the King, the Lord Almighty, and may you be both humbled and strengthened by the truth that God is still on the throne. And may the fears, insecurities, anxieties, and uncertainties which beset you May they melt away in the light of his glory and grace. And may the love of God the Father, the grace of God the Son, and the fellowship of God the Holy Spirit be with you all this week. God bless.